Hello, welcome back to Adventures Edge. Tell us more, number two. This is Don, and with me in the studio, I have Rochelle. Hello. You know, I, I can't introduce myself. Oh. That, that is a thing that can happen. Well, sure, I suppose. We could, we could try that. Take okay. two. <laughs> introduce yourself then. Well, you could say, and joining me today. And joining me today. Hi, it's Rochelle. And I'm not going to edit any of that out. Okay, that's great. <laughs> so, so as again, nothing, nothing we do apparently is ever scripted. We're just all sitting around winging everything. Well, yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have some crib notes here. No, I have no crib notes. So, t- <laughs> so, <laughs> so tell us more is our companion show to the main feed, Heroes of the Veil, vale, which presumably you are listening to and are at least intrigued a little bit to hear more about the world. So in this episode, it is just Rochelle and I, and going forward, it will normally be either myself and whoever I can... Con into joining him. Con into joining me, (laughs) or just myself talking with myself about the world, which will be riveting material, much like this episode is going to be. So the point of the TELUS More is to provide information actually about the world of TELUS and uh, to answer questions that you might have uh, for your either own use or just out of curiosity. So at the time of this recording, we do not yet have any questions. But I asked, I know, <laughs> sad face, um, Rochelle, I asked Rochelle to join us for this because you have been integral to the development of the world of TELUS. Yes, I have been. I have been here since the beginning of TELUS. I have gotten to hear all of the birth pains of TELUS. <laughs> Since the dawn of time. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So Rochelle is my sounding board, and she has incredible patience, but she is also very insightful and very creative and has provided a lot of guidance in my world development. The part he's leaving out is that I am also mean. And when I when there's something that he says that I don't like, I, I tell him that I do not like it. <laughs> Shane does not mince words. Yeah, we're a good pair. So <laughs> in this episode, we're going to talk about the uh, some of the foundational stuff about the world and see what we can cover, you know, in the next 25 minutes or so to see what what kind of comes up. I have a list of topics that I thought would be appropriate. Um. I, I did ask you if you had any questions, and you didn't seem like you specifically had some. I, you know, I feel like I actually have a, a pretty good grasp on your view of TELUS, and I still have a different view of TELUS in some respects. And um, yeah, I mean, it's your world, and you're, you are the final arbiter, and your, your word is law, and I still disagree. <laughs> In this in this one facet of our relationship, <laughs> my word is law. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So, Telus is a disc world. So, if you don't, if you remember when we first started talking, and I pitched the disc world, I don't remember what your first thoughts were on that at this point, because we I started this. Gosh, I mean, it's been like a year and a half ago. At least. So, okay, here's a question for you. 
I still don't understand why you were like, I want it to be a Discworld. Like, is this appropriate for this for this sure. forum? Do you want to talk no, about No, no, absolutely. Okay. Um, when I was workshopping this, I really, I literally started making like lists of concepts and I wanted to really lean in hard to some of the fantasy tropes. And I really, I like the idea of a disc world just because it is so zany and unusual and difficult to explain. And there's some great disc worlds, you know, in fantasy fiction. But I, I also, because I really want to focus on, you know, reality and verisimilitude, I thought just having this backdrop of this, you know, crazy construct that um, it, it, it seemed like it a good balance to all the other stuff I was going to go for. And it seemed like, it, it seemed like a fun idea. Hmm. So no good logical reason. Lot. I mean, is there really any logic to the to designing something? It's like you just kind of start going with what sounds intriguing to you. I mean, when I when I was brainstorming, and I was like, I really took inspiration from you know a host of movies that what I would watch. Um, thinking about oh gosh, I should have made like a list of ones. But where you know where the ships sailing off the edge of the edge of the world is it the is it the Lost Viking? What is that one? Or I, is that Time Bandits? Mm. Those are some really old ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've just said the image of the, the ship kind of sailing off the edge of the world and going into this like... But that can't happen in your world. Well, no. No, but, but some of the imagery of that took was, you know, inspiration. I see. Some of these uh, like early formative fantasy movies, you know, were definitely part of the creative process to develop this world. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So the the short answer is it's a disc world because, huh, cool. <laughs> you know, th- sometimes you really need any other reason than it just sounds fun. Okay. No, that's yeah. fine. That's and fine. I don't know. I don't I can't, th- I couldn't think of any other disc worlds in mainstream tabletop role playing. Okay. And there might be one. I didn't actually go uh, thinking. You didn't about search it. it out. I didn't search it out, but I couldn't think of one. So if you, as a listener, are like, "Oh yeah, this so and so supplement covered that," I am intrigued. Definitely email me at don at adventuresedgerpg.com because I would love to read about that to see how other people tackled it. You know, there actually was. There is also kind of one other facet to that, uh, and it's. And it really is the flat earthers. Oh my gosh. Okay. I mean, because that's a thing. And yes, it is. Absolutely. Apparently, I, I don't know. I don't think I totally understand that. I still haven't figured out if it's just people gaslighting everybody else. No, no, it's not people gaslighting. It's there. Are, I mean, do I think there are some people that are like going along with it just because, haha, funny, whatever? But no, I think there are legitimately people that are like, yes, flat earth. Yeah. Yeah, and and that is so far beyond my ability to comprehend it. So that embracing what that would look like in real, like in real life, in fantasy life, what was part of it too. So that was that was one thing that had crossed my mind. Well, like, well, what if that was the case? 
And then I went down that rabbit hole hard in trying to then make everything actually, quote unquote, work <laughs> with a flat earth. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. So very meta. Yeah, a lot of meta to it. So, you know, there's there's probably, I don't want to talk like for 30 minutes about like the physical design of the world. But like I said, uh, it is like, it's a 12,000 um, miles across. So it's it's a reasonable, reasonably good sized world. It, it is double-sided and nobody in the game world knows what's on the other side. I, as the world's creator, am not entirely sure what's on the other side yet. Ooh, I can't believe you admitted that. I really wanted to because... Uh, I'm going to be talking about like game design in my behind the screen. And I think it's important to leave gaps as you design. Like, like if I sit down and I scribbled everything out, it doesn't really leave room to breathe. Like I, I've, I have a lot of, I have a lot of interesting ideas and I have settled, I think on a very short list. Okay. But you haven't fully committed. Like I I haven't committed. Okay. And I'm open to that changing. But I also am currently like, you know what? Right now, it doesn't matter. And I don't know that it ever will matter. We'd have to really play in this world for, for a long time. For us to ever get over there? Yeah. Well, you, or, or at some point, maybe, maybe we just like, well, okay. That's kind of, I mean, there's nothing to say that there couldn't be just another adventure on the other side of the world of a whole other group of individuals that know nothing about our side, our current side of the world. That's true. I mean, it could just be a whole thing. So we, so we have, yeah. So we have this disc world that is uh, quite thick and. How thick? Do we know how thick? Um. Oh, you don't even know how thick. I wrote some numbers down. Oh. I do have some numbers. All we know is she thick. <laughs> but it's it's at least like a hundred miles thick. Mm. I mean, it's not like thousands of miles, mm. but it's still pretty. It's still pretty thick. So we don't use the metric system here. Oh, yeah, that's an interesting point. I actually have been developing other me- measurements based upon. Um, this is. I mean, there's a lot of way to we can tangent this. But that's why in the game, I've been using terms like league and pace mm, mm-hmm, uh, and rods mm-hmm. and chains. Uh, I was really kind of going back to like um, either late Roman and kind of early, you know, early medieval. There's, there's, there's a lot of different measurements. But, yet, you know, the way the reality is, you know, sorry, we're, we're Americans. And I, when I think, I think in feet and... It is kind of sad. I wish we were meters. I mean, change can begin with you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. Okay, so okay. it is thick. It's okay. And mm-hmm. flowing along the edge of the disc. Oh, so the disc revolves clockwise. Flowing along the edge of the disc counterclockwise is a torrential river called the real stream. And the real stream is made up of, uh, it is, it's water, but I'm calling it elemental water 
It has unusual properties that can be destructive to ships. Like you can't just go sailing out onto this thing without preparation. But it acts as a barrier, uh, you know, either via the, the nature of the water itself or the mechanics of the world or just the magic that's imbued to act as this barrier between the oceans on, on either side. So I, I think that you should explain what you mean by elemental water. Um, that concept has its kind of roots in Greek mythology where there's like the four elements, but there's like the idea where like regular fire, you know, has all the properties of fire that you know, but then there's like elemental fire, which has, it's like imbued with magic in a way. And um, one of the game systems I played for like three decades, uh, which is Rollmaster, there there was a whole whole bit on elemental magic and how there were the el the elements and then the elemental versions of them, which had like this proto elemental material in it that was basically acidic to everything else uh, that would come into contact with it. So that's kind of what I'm, I'm going with. It's um. I don't think that is something that like most people would fully understand. That's something like in the realm of alchemists and powerful wizards that would like, yeah, like elemental water has this unusual property, like non-magical creatures don't, can't survive in it. And that it can, uh, like it will have disastrous effects on natural materials not protected against the nature of it. So what would happen if a non-magical being drank elemental water would it kill him um so i haven't codified that in this world so leaning on uh some of the things that i you know i've used in other game systems like specifically rollmaster there was a table for that where you would have elemental corruption and that your body would actually it could actually like start to get absorbed by it and actually might like transform part of your physical being like into elemental material, which generally would result in your demise. Mm. Yeah. There were some horrific charts for elemental poisoning. Mm. I, I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure if we'll, we'll get to that. I just, it could be interesting. Like maybe, maybe it's a bad thing or maybe it's a good thing. And it kind of depends upon the individual. Like maybe some people risk like interacting with elemental water or elemental air or elemental fire or whatever, because it's a way to become more powerful. It's like the, one of the ultimate risks. I, I would imagine that that is the case actually, because I, I am going to introduce the idea that harvesting these elements, the elemental, like pure elemental material can be used for magical experiments. Um, specifically like to, uh, you know, create force, create combustion, like combining elemental fire and elemental water. Because in the world, there's no gunpowder. But I do have this idea that there are some societies that have discovered that you take a drop of elemental fire and a drop of elemental water and combine them to create concussive force and then what that could look like. 
So that that's still something that's sort of on the peripheral of like full development and how that could really impact the world. But that is definitely something I'm playing with. Okay, sorry. So that was down a rabbit hole. So we've got the real stream. We've got the real stream. It's spinning in the opposite direction. It's not impassable, but it, I mean, pretty much. Very, like, so difficult to pass that for most it's like, yeah, that's impassable, right? Right. For as far as common knowledge goes, any ships that have tried to cross the real stream have not returned. Okay. Yeah. So, and we don't, I mean, as far as we know, they were destroyed, but it's possible one of them made it to the other side. Right. Yeah, absolutely. We don't know. And they're like, wow, it's so great over here. And they just never came back. Why would we ever go back? Yeah. Heck with those. Yeah. Turkeys. <laughs> okay. 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 So there, so we got that. Um, so is it like just normal water all the way up to the real stream? I mean, yes. So it's, I mean, there are oceans, the oceans, I went with saltwater oceans, largely for familiarity. Okay. I had considered, like, what does an entire freshwater world world look like? And I don't think I ever really got some good answers for that. Like, what are the ramifications on global ecology? Like, does it, when you're mucking with so much of reality, it's like, well. Well, we'll stick with that. So, yeah, we, we've got saltwater oceans. Okay. Freshwater streams and, you know, lakes and stuff. Okay. So the, the water cycle as we know it is relatively intact. Yes. Okay. And, and there are moons. There are moons. Tell me about the moons. Well, there are two moons. Um. And they are on two different, uh, so there uh, is the main moon, well, the larger, the slightly larger moon is called Lunas, and it is a, it is white. And that is, as far as people know, where the Celestials retired to after some of the great wars at the beginning, like the early, early times of the world. And so the key difference between like Lunas and like our moon is that it's it's not pockmarked with you know meteor impacts. And it actually glows on its own accord. It's not a it doesn't just reflect light. So the moon is comprised of this moonstone material. That was harvested by the Celestials. We haven't got to this part, but there, there's this, like, this whole highway that cuts across Galtia that's crafted from moonstone and it glows like, dimly at night for travel. Okay. That's, like, that's a whole thing. So wow. the moon actually does radiate light. So when I look at Lunas, can I see where material has been harvested from it? Um, that's an interesting question. Possibly. Like, did the celestials leave a little smiley face on the surface? <laughs> you know, I did think that with, with telescopes that you could possibly see celestial cities. 
That was something that I kind of toyed with. On the moon's with. surface? I was, I was thinking about that. Like, what are the ramifications of that? I mean, because they're living there. Like, oh. that's, that's an established, like, belief. And one of those things where we talk about what's belief and what's myth, but in a, in a world of magic, I will like thinking about how you guys get to play your characters and what you believe. I think it's important that you have some degree of meta knowledge that, yeah, we believe this, but there's reasons we believe this. And here's the actual evidence for it being true. And yeah, there's people with powerful telescopes and you can sort of make out like cities on, on the moon. Hmm. Cause it'd be awesome to go there, but nobody knows how to get there. Mm. Yeah, so that's one of those things. I don't think I don't think there's any powerful enough telescopes to really get fine details. But I mean, we can make out, you know, here in our modern times with our modern telescopes, really amazing details of the moon. So I'm thinking the telescopes aren't as advanced as you know the you know present day. But yeah, you can you can see some stuff up there. Hmm. Okay, what about the other? Tell me about the other moon. The red moon. The red moon. So the red moon is Keros, K-A-R-O-S. And it has like an elliptical orbit and it is, well, actually both moons do have an elliptical orbit. Mm -hmm. And so that way we do have these different, um, not interactions. I I can't think of this. Uh, I was going to say seasons, but that's not right. So, like, some moons are going to be, one will be closer, one will be farther away at different times. Okay. So there's the idea, and (laughs) I have this entire chart when I mapped out, like, cycles of the moons and how long that takes and how often they, you know, cross paths and whatever, just because I'm a nerd. But, yeah, so the red moon uh, also has the kind of, I'm imagining, like, it looks a bit uh, like coloration, like Mars, but it also has its own glow, and it has a, a stigma. Like there's the stigma of uh, of uh, like bad luck, like the red moon rising. Yeah, that's why that's why there's those songs about it. Well, there is, and and there's reasons for it in our world, uh, like the real world, right? But in here, it's the the idea that. Uh, the mythology, and I, this is where I'm not going to. Re- re- release whether or not it is true, you know, in a definitive sense, but people believe from stories that there is one of the early gods that got locked up in it, like there's this dark god, and he's imprisoned inside of Keros. Do we know what god? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the whole thing. Um, we might have to get in. I will see. So, yes, there's a dark god locked up in Keros, mm. and that he has... Uh, a very limited influence on the world. And so when... Because he's locked up? Because he's locked up. Oh. Yeah, yeah. But when the moon is closest, like, he can sort of like... We can feel the effects like, of the Yeah, dark there's god. a dark god. And like, maybe bad things happen. What's his or, name? Oh, now you're going to make me look. Okay, so the dark... Oh, you don't just know his name? I feel a red moon rising. Oh, it's icy. I see a red moon rising. I feel the dark god. Okay. Uh, Axios. Axios on the wind. <laughs> Better stay home tonight. I don't know. I, that's all I got. But we could do a whole, we should have our bard write something up. 
It's the it's the Red Moon song. It's the song I, of Keros. I'm kind of digging that. I like yeah. it. We can, re- we can release a track. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bardic music for playing in the world of Telus. Yeah. I'll play the finger cymbals. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. So what else do we want to know? So we have a flat earth. We, had, we have some continents. And... I have a pretty lengthy, like, uh, history of all the different struggles with the gods and why the continents exist the way they do. So why does it spin? What's it spin on? It spins in space. And it spins because the, uh, the progenitor, the mainspring, the original creator made it thus mm. and set it in space, spun it like a top in the cosmic ether, and it has continued to spin indefinitely. But not all elements of the world um, were autonomous. And so there are things that are maintained like a giant machine in a way. Mm. So... Is there not like a sun? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a sun. Okay. So what's the sun? Um, the sun is uh, Cyrus. The sun. Oh, wait. No, Cyrus? Cyrus. Okay. C-Y-R-U-S. Okay. And so Cyrus, Cyrus um, is, the belief is that it's comprised entirely of elemental fire. Like it's the equivalent mm. Of the plane of fire in your fantasy setting of choice. Okay. And so in my setting, because I have absolutely lifted material from everywhere else as as points of inspiration, is that Cyrus is the home of the Jinn. Oh. And I absolutely have a city of brass on Cyrus. Oh. Yeah, because that is just so cool. So is Cyrus a ball or is it? It is a ball. So we've got the moons that are um, slightly, the, the, moons are, the moons are balls? They are balls. And, and the sun is a ball. It is. But the, the, the world, the world is flat. Is flat. Yeah, because they were all just created. Right. None of this was happened naturally. It was all just like no. There's there's nothing natural about even the universe that this sits in. Okay. And it was all created by the progenitor. Right. Okay. And uh, the other thing to know about like the local cosmology is that like Cyrus is. Uh, like not infinitely, but exponentially smaller than our sun because it has a much like it's it's smaller than the the world itself. Oh, but it has a like a very tight rotation. Okay, so so and it's, so it's much it's much closer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, uh, and it's, it's part of that. What part of my original inspiration was some Greek mythology, the idea that there was the the flaming chariot kind of going across the sky. Yes. Yeah. It 
it's not a flaming chariot, but that has the idea, the idea is that you get as much closer and that has a distinct impact on where the sun appears in the sky because the sun is on a, a fixed rotation and the telus revolves um, around, you know, below that so that the revolution is always different in relation to where the sun is passing. And that's how you have seasons. Except for the middle. Except for the middle, which is, uh, yes, the, the, the very center of the disc, uh, which is the uh, Omphalos, which is believed to be like the home of the gods, is this impassable region that people try to get to. But near that spot, there is a chain of isles called the Summer Isles. Mm. That basically is, is in perpetual light. Mm. Well, not perpetual light, but per- perpetual summer. summer. Yeah, mm-hmm. perpetual summer. Always warm and... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Hmm. So they're, in my mind, probably a bit like uh, the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. And when I think about like trade and export and things like that, like I haven't mapped out like global exports, but I'm imagining that... Galti gets equivalent exports like we would get from the Caribbean, from the Summer Isles. Mm. So lots of like shiny, happy people in like flowy robes and like carefree lifestyles and like booming trade and everything's awesome. Possibly. Or depending on the time period or maybe like rampant piracy too, you know. I like the nice idea better. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Mm. All right. So um, let's see. If you yeah, if, if you're actually interested in like looking at a a GM's of obsession over world building, there's stuff out on the website where you can actually see where I like I've created images of the world in rotation with the relative position of the of the moons and things like that. That's really not for like player enjoyment necessarily. It's for me to be able to like describe the world in process and then to try to be able to answer questions about that. This is kind of me taking it like to the to the next level in my world building. That's stuff I'm gonna talk about in my in my world building um podcast, the, the behind the screen stuff. I'm gonna get I'll probably get into that. Like what's important, what's not, what you do for yourself and what you're doing for your players. Because I think it's, you know, at the end of the day, it's important that you enjoy what you're doing because not everybody else is going to appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) And I've accepted that a long time ago. Mm. Um, So, yeah. So there's climate bands. There's tides. um, We've got, there's calendar with unique months and days. Yeah, which is, oh, yeah, your calendar. Do we want, do we want to talk about the calendar or just if people are interested in your calendar, they can look at your your calendar. I mean, I'm not going to read off all the months. The, the The key thing is there are 24 months, and it's basically it's a because because the world takes two years to do a full revolution, right? So not a revolution, rotation. Rotation. Okay, thank yeah, you. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, full rotation. And so because the the sun 
basically bisects the world in a fixed uh, orbit, where the sun appears in the sky is different across 24 months because for 12 months, the sun is in the north sky and for 12 months, it's in the southern sky. So we have much longer seasons. You will basically, no. What do you mean, no? If we've got a 24, if we've got, if it's basically, if a year is 24 months. Well, think, so a year, it's basically the equivalent of two years. Yeah. But it's really, it's it basically, it's, it's still look functionally like one year and then one year. But the reason it's a 24-month calendar, then that 24 months, you've got two summers, two falls, two springs, two winters. But you are in a different position on relation to where the, the, the sun and the moon. So if you're like looking at, like looking at the top, like the top down, mm-hmm. one year, like you say, Galtia, you're going to be on the south side of, of your perspective. And the other year... If, if you were just like rotating on the table, it'd be upside down. You'd be on the north side. And so you, the, the sun has a different angle. Different angle, yeah. Mm. And because it's a, it can, you can identify that the sky looks different because you're revolving or rotating, that, that's why you have 24 months. Mm. So we're all going to be going, oh, it. It looks like second fall. Exactly. Oh. And, and so I named. It's time for second summer. That's, a, that's exactly it. No, 100%. And so I named all 24 months. Why can't we just have, oh, it's second. You didn't, I don't even know what the, I don't know what the months are. I know you've got calendars. I, I haven't looked at, I haven't looked at that. Okay. I mean, it's like harvest moon, day fade, frost falls, snow spell, day oh, rise. here they are. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Why can't it just be, oh, it's second frost fall? You could. No, you had to go and get fancy and name, yeah. Well, and the other thing is that this, this month, these months and calendar, at least in my mind, are the, what the dwarfs created. Because not everybody would use the same terminology because we don't have globalization. And that was something I haven't really fleshed out. Like the whole world wouldn't call the ninth month high sun. Because, yeah, anyway. All right. I think that's probably getting a little too deep though. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so when he's talking about like there's parts that he does just for himself and yeah. He knows that because my eyes start glazing over. I'm like, okay, I'm done now. Yeah, and I, I no, I, I understand that, and I, th- I don't know what the percentage is. I think most people probably don't really want to go that deep. Like, it's not. It's just like, hey, I just want to go, you know, kill goblins. Um, and I think that's okay. And I, th- I don't know. I think most GMs probably don't go that deep either. But I think there are some who just enjoy the aspects of world building and really kind of like kind of explore the, you know, the conceptual stuff and just spend hours on it. And, and that's always been something for me. That's just like, well, I, I enjoy this. It's my, 
uh, you know. It's your leisure. Yeah, it is. It is definitely my leisure. Leisure. Mm-hmm. So. So. It's yeah. it's um if you're looking at Nash's hierarchy, it's creative participation, mm. which is according to Nash the highest form of leisure. So congratulations. Mm. Cool. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I don't know. I think that probably, I think that covers enough for one episode, thinking about what people want to sit through and listen to if you hear us <laughs> talk about this. So we have, you, have, you probably have a little bit better idea. Again, there's pictures and stuff on the website. And if you have questions, I've fleshed out a lot, but I mean, trying to actually build an entire world from scratch. It, and it takes a lot of time and there's plenty of places that I'm not even going to really even get to yet because I'm really focusing. I, I, you know, it's that, it's, it is that start small as far as like the campaign goes. So I really heavily focused on building the town, building the veil and kind of fleshing out the duchy and working out because I like, oh, there's tremendous amounts of things I would like to write about. And I think it would be cool if we, you know, started really getting people excited about this world to have people who enjoy writing to create, like, hey, I, you know, I'd like to write about the Southern Duchy or something to do with the dwarves or something, you know, just to maybe do some creative world building. I think that could be fun. So. Mm. Um, anything else that you think that we've, not in this one. I, I think that, uh, yeah, like I would really like to talk about, yeah, the gods and all of that, but I think that needs to be a separate, a separate episode. Okay. Well, let's make episode three the divinity one. All right. We'll, we'll dive into the divinity and some creation myths and stuff like that. Yes. Cool. All right. Well, and, you know, we... we I was hoping to get a good 30 minutes, so we're a little bit over that. So I think that's good. My apologies. It's fine. <laughs> we're all good here. I, I, thought, I thought an hour would probably uh, be too much. I'm, I'm just joking. Like, this is, <laughs> that was just, yeah, okay. All right. Well, all right. thanks for listening if you did listen this long. <laughs> There's people out there like, I could play this for my little kids, and they'll just like drift off to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so boring and relaxing. Yeah. I can't wait. Okay. ASMR yeah. world building with yeah. Don and Rochelle. <laughs> uh, all right. Okay. Well, we will talk soon. Yeah. All right, guys. Take care. Bye.